Welcome everyone to unpack that today. Feel free to join me with a cup of tea or coffee or chai or your favorite beverage and settle in as we have some time of learning together. I'm going to talk about the book Trauma Made Simple by Jamie Marich and Jamie has multiple books along a theme of Made Simple. And if you're interested in checking more of those out, she has an EMDR made simple this year in 2023. She came out with um, dissociation made simple. And Jamie is such a profound teacher and uh, human on the path of healing, growth, wellness, um, appreciating and acknowledging our humanity the very things that are so central to us on Community Roots. So I love learning from her, and um, she is a delight to spend time with. We've got Off the Beaten Path with Jamie, um, as well as a co-author with her, Steve. And so you'll be able to appreciate those episodes with Off the Beaten Path, but I want to introduce a little bit about the idea of trauma made simple. This can be for um, just listeners who are humans wanting to learn a little bit more. If you are a clinician, I highly recommend this book that also goes into detail. The subtitle is called Competencies in Assessment, Treatment, and Working with Survivors. So it has various things about assessments and diagnoses and um, dissociation, addiction, grief, lots of wonderful topics that are really helpful and supportive for clinicians. So I highly recommend it as a great resource on being a trauma-informed and um, competent provider in the mental health field. But it also just has some great principles that I thought would be helpful for our listeners in understanding what trauma is. I heard recently someone say, is trauma the new buzzword? Is this something that we're just labeling everything as trauma? And if you've been with us on Community Roots, you know that we talk about Pia Melody a lot. And she describes trauma as anything less than nurturing. As a developmental and relational trauma therapist for myself, I'm using that lens of what needs did not get met and what injuries and woundings do we have that haven't been repaired because across the lifespan, these will accumulate and continue to impact us, sometimes on very unconscious or implicit levels until we do the work of bringing healing. And so it's important to have a lens on how do we be just a healthy human in this world where there are hard things that are happening all the time. And it doesn't make sense to compare what's difficult for me for what's difficult for another person. I know so often I'll hear people when I ask a client in an intake, Um, to the extent that you are aware or that you feel comfortable sharing today, what has been traumatic for you in your life? 
And it's not uncommon for someone to say, well, really, I've had it pretty good and everyone else has probably gone through more than I have. And honestly, we can just be present with getting to know ourselves and each other as having human experiences. So let's just enter into this time today together in understanding trauma made simple. She starts with the definition of what is trauma and it's a wound. It comes from the Greek word for wound. So we can compare what it's like to heal from something that is physical, like an injury, um, a cut or a broken bone. Those things are a physical wound. And then we can understand that we also have emotional, relational woundings as well. And she acknowledges that sometimes people are in different positions on how they're able to heal. Some people are in a, in a better place and a better position to be able to heal than others. Some people have really great access to care and they have time off work and they can recuperate. They might have genetics for um, having a lot of resiliency and endurance and strength, or they might have more vulnerable nervous systems and a background of having a lot of painful experiences. All of this will impact our ability to heal. The good news is that the human brain is hardwired for healing. We're made for this. We are designed to be healing both physically and emotionally. But the quality, Jamie writes, of the healing conditions can make all of the difference. If a person is given the resources he or she needs for healing, like time, social support, validation, proper care, spiritual guidance, these emotional wounds can be healed. So consider that for a moment. If you're in a time of needing to heal something specific that you're aware of, or even wanting to pause and do the, the work of healing and growth to just be as present and your best self as possible, these are the things that we can cultivate in our life for helping those healing conditions to happen. That we're taking the time and we're surrounding ourselves with support. We have someone who can validate. We've got these different supports in place. Then the trajectory for us, to, even if we've gone through um, particularly difficult, traumatizing things, the trajectory is good that we can heal. She says that being a trauma-sensitive professional and human being is above all about acknowledging and honoring woundedness. So just being on the planet, all of us have our humanity in common. We have our own unique stories, our own circumstances of things that have happened to us, and 
certainly not all things are created equal in the sense that some have more privilege than others and some don't. However, there's a sense of shared humanity and in caring for each other that we can understand the importance that we bring to the planet by being a human who will acknowledge and honor someone else's story and woundedness. So she mentions that the title of the book, Trauma Made Simple, is not at all to suggest that there's anything simple about traumatic stress or how it can wreak havoc on the human experience. On the contrary, the after effects of trauma can entangle survivors in a complex web of distress and complicated living. Untangling these webs can be a very involved process that is anything but simple. But the title is meant to suggest that as helping professionals, we overcomplicate the study of trauma. So we just want to get to this metaphor of a wound that can heal. That this trauma that we've experienced in our lives has been a wounding to us. It has significance. It's important. It's worthy of our time and attention. But most of all, it needs care and time to heal. A little common sense and human connection go a long way in helping wounded people heal. Sometimes we get so maybe concerned about what can I do to help someone who is hurting And some people want to fix or they don't know what to say and they say nothing at all or we're just not educated very well as a society of what are the healing things that we can do if we want to be trauma-informed and trauma-sensitive. We want to recognize that all wounds deserve attention. So we want to appreciate the subjective nature of wounding and healing. It's subjective, meaning that each person has their own unique story of how they experience it. And it's so important for us to just welcome one another's story, their humanity, how they feel. When we think of things like grief, Each person's grief is unique. Maybe losing a spouse, a child, a grandparent, a friend, a colleague. One of the things that Jamie mentions in chapter three on grief, bereavement, and mourning is that any loss, no matter how it may manifest in one's life, death, divorce, financial or job loss, all of those losses qualify as trauma. And the trauma itself doesn't necessarily breed problems. It's whether the wound is allowed to heal that we need to pay attention to. Are we actually doing the work of healing and giving support? Because if a person is given the time and space and resources needed to heal, it's likely that he or she will come out relatively unscathed on the other side, on the other end. It's a way of working through things that are difficult. So our grief will not be the same 
for any two people. Our losses are unique. Our stories are unique. Henry Nowen writes in The Wounded Healer, she includes um, a quote that is taken from his book. When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face with us the reality of our powerlessness. That is a friend who cares. That was actually taken from Out of Solitude, it says. We know, we know Henry Nowen from The Wounded Healer, but the, that portion was taken from a book called Out of Solitude. Consider for a moment with me about the idea of silence. This is something that I have found can be both healing for some people and also um, wounding and absent for some people. So I just want to acknowledge the importance of even when we're wanting to be a supportive presence for someone else, showing up and being present, being with them in proximity, whether it's you're able to be there physically in the room or through a phone call or a FaceTime or a text or whatever it is that you can do to reach out so someone feels a little less alone is so important. And it's being remembered and being seen and not forgotten that I think makes such an important healing presence for those who are suffering or struggling or going through something that's painful or difficult. She talks about the healing power of human connection that Dan Siegel's work talks about in The Neurobiology of We, that there's healing in connection. And so often those who have trauma are looking and longing and lacking in areas of healthy attachment and connection from the very beginning early on in their life. So it adds a whole nother layer to be in need of relationship and support whenever things are so hard. So it's really important that we cultivate spaces that have healthy healing connection and know that little by little we can have moments of healing. One of the things that is mentioned briefly here in Jamie's book is in the addiction field, um, three unwritten rules of an alcoholic home. And I would say also maybe a home that doesn't have a lot of emotional relational depth and maybe some codependency or um, patterns of you know, not, not even knowing really how to be mentally, emotionally, relationally well and um, connected and supportive. 
there are three unwritten rules that I think happen. So she lists it as in the alcoholic home, um, but I think it extends to many more of our homes than that. And it's don't talk, don't trust, and don't feel. And these are powerful impediments to healing trauma. So in essence, if we want to heal, if we want to grow and we want to thrive, we have to do the opposite of that. Instead of setting a, an expectation or a fear or an avoidance of we don't talk, we don't trust, we don't feel, that is so much cutting off our humanity and our ability to connect and heal and grow. So we want to be able to lean into having spaces where we can talk, where we can learn to trust and have safe spaces. And that little by little, we learn how to feel our feelings, to not numb them, not just self-medicate them, not avoid them, not be in denial. So maybe if you're doing any of your healing work and you're reflecting on what are some things that I need to, to grow in that maybe were stunted in my life, those are three things that you can kind of check in on a little bit on how has that impacted you in your life where you weren't able to talk or trust or feel and then how can you kind of plant seeds for a new experience where you do find and cultivate safe spaces and relationships where you are able to verbalize and validate one another and have mutual trusting relationships and places that we can acknowledge our feelings. So important to have as really protective factors of these resources, this ability to have resilience and to cope with all of the hard times that we have um, in our traumatic experiences that are inevitable to happen in this earth. There are so many things that are difficult as humans. Then there's also this continuum that Jamie introduces that I really love and I think is helpful to kind of do as a check-in a little bit with ourselves. We've talked before about continuums with Pia Melody's model that a functional adult is balanced in the middle and a wounded child is on one end of the spectrum, an adapted adolescent is on the other end of the spectrum. And that leads to kind of polarities of living in extremes. Um, and when we want to find health, we, we lean towards being a functional adult and being balanced in the middle. And that even on that continuum, we can kind of day by day or moment by moment be on different places in that continuum. Well, the continuum that Jamie uses in this book is called a victim-survivor-thriver continuum. And it can be helpful to kind of gauge where you are on any given day in your healing journey. And I've heard different clients sometimes as they're processing um, 
family members or friends or people that they're relating with that they feel like they take such a victim mentality. So we have that kind of language in our culture that people will kind of speak to or sometimes maybe in our own woundedness or our own stuckness, we can um, have a victim mindset. So what does that even look like? This is actually in three columns and two pages worth of that, but I'm going to just pull out some descriptions of kind of that victim mentality. It has a low self-esteem, shame, and feeling unworthy. A victim is hypervigilant, alone, feeling selfish and damaged. There's confusion and numbness, being overwhelmed by the past, kind of hopeless, hiding from the world, from themselves, um, believing that everyone else is better or stronger or less damaged, feeling wounded and unsafe from others putting their own needs last, creating drama um, one after another, believing that um, they need to be serious all of the time. Maybe they use inappropriate humor. They're uncomfortable or numb or angry around toxic people, angry, of relig- angry at religion, suspicious of therapists, needing people and chemicals to believe that they're all right or having depression and and kind of being stuck in the pain of the past. So a survivor is moving along that continuum. And remember that this might, you know, it's not that you're all in one category or anything, but the, the survivor is is struggling and sees themselves as wounded, but also as healing and using tools to learn how to relax. Seeking help believes that they deserve to seek help. They're able to name what's happened and they're learning to grieve and name what has happened. They feel a little bit more hopeful. They're staying with the emotional pain and not hiding from it. They're not afraid to tell their story to safe people. They're able to come out a little bit more from hiding and have compassion um, for themselves eventually. They're learning how to protect themselves, learning healthy needs and patterns. They're feeling some relief and knowing that, that recovery is an important Um, thing to commit to and continue in. Feelings are associated um, with being more awareness of their pain, awareness of patterns, um, understanding the difference between religion and personal spirituality, having glimpses of self-acceptance and fun, and being able to move through the feelness, the feelings, move through the feelings of depression. And then we have the Thriver column, which has a gratitude for everything in life. 
um, that there is healthy self-caring, sees woundedness more in the past and now in much more healing. The grieving that's happening is with current losses and living in the present. It's understanding that emotional pain will pass and it'll bring new insight. They develop sometimes a um, healing with a higher power, living with an open heart for themselves and for others. They protect themselves from unsafe others. They create peace and find joy and peace. They see the humor in life. They have healthy boundaries around toxic people, including relatives. They live in the now. They enjoy personal relationships with, um, with a God of his or her understanding. They see reality. They own their reality. They feel authentic and connected and whole and alive. So you can see this continuum that we're not all in one category, but we're working from maybe not having awareness or being stuck or being always in the past to kind of starting to notice some patterns. And what are the things that, um, that I can have more awareness and more presence around that I'm learning how to feel my feelings and know what safe relationships are and um, feeling more sense of hope and faith in, in the goodness that is there. Um, so interesting to, to reflect on, right? Like to consider how we are moving through those various stages and along that continuum. So I would love to hear from you all on what your understanding of healing and trauma look like. Um, we are on the path with you. We are wanting to offer strong support so that you um, feel a little bit less alone and are willing to show up in the world in your best self and some days we do that really well and some days we struggle and we get to have compassion for each other and and just validation and authenticity is so important. Relationships, relationships, relationships. It all comes back down to that. So I hope this episode has been helpful for you and understanding a little bit more about what trauma is and just allowing it to have... Uh, the time and attention that it needs to heal and whether that's related to you and your story or someone that you are wanting to support and give love and care to. I hope that this has given you some ideas and how you might do that more. We so appreciate you being here with us and we will look forward to seeing you next time. Have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.